Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BusyDad.com podcast, a place for business dads to share advice, experiences, and stories of successes and failures as it relates to being a business owner, business professional, or an entrepreneur, all while still kicking ass in the dad game. We hope you like the show, and please subscribe to follow us to keep up with new episodes, and also be sure to check out BusyDad.com for merch, blogs, and much more. That's B-U-S-I-D-A-D dot com. Cheers. What's up, man? Man, it's good to be here. Uh, starting, it's a Monday, so starting a new week. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, exciting times. 2020 uh, has been uh, not the best year ever, but uh, excited about 2021 and where we can take Mississippi. I like to hear it. I like to hear it, man. You're you're busydad.com's first podcast guest. Absolutely. That? So that means I can't be the worst. That's right. right. You can't be the yeah. worst. That's right. We're starting off on a good foot, though. So let me introduce you to everybody. Uh, I got uh, Mr. Kopi Grantham in here with me today. Uh, Kopi is a former small business owner. Uh, he is a local city alderman, uh, the political director for the lieutenant governor of the state of Mississippi. Uh, he's dabbled in uh, commercial real estate, uh, some day trading on the stock market, things like that, and was also voted 40 under 40 most business influential person in North Mississippi. So lots of lots of talking points there, lots of things that we can uncover and discuss, and I'm sure some of that stuff will uh, definitely be uh, of interest to, to some of our some of our listeners. So Man, let's just get started. You know what? What drove you into? Uh, well, let's start with uh, with with the small business ownership. You know, you started out, I believe, as a police officer, right? Yeah, I did. So out of college, um, I was really interested in becoming a law enforcement officer. So I found myself putting in applications and finding everyone wanted me to have experience. So I was um, I had a little setback. So I put in to work as a jailer inside of a jail. So uh, that's where I started my law enforcement career. I was ready to go hit the road and be a cop, but found out that I was going to be working inside of a jail and babysitting grown folks. So that's, that's where I started. Yeah. Um, it was an awesome opportunity. That's, I learned a lot of everything that I got today by working inside of a jail. Learning, How long did you work at the jail? Uh, a little over a year. A little over and, a year. And so while I was working in jail, I was always putting in applications I was always reaching out to police chiefs. Hey, I'm interested in working. I'm, you know, getting my foot started working in jail. But working in jail, you really understand working with people uh, more, using your mind, using your mouth to relate to people, to understand the situation. So I love when law enforcement officers uh, work inside jail and get that, get their foot in the door, and just really understand to work with the inmates, to reason with them, and use your mind. Yeah. What was the craziest shit you saw working in a jail? Because oh, I know there's got to be some wild stuff that goes on. Was it? It was a county jail, right? Yes, it was county jail. We we house uh, usually about 220 people per day. Uh, the most craziest things were, you know, um, just people banging on the windows. You know, just irritated. They didn't want to be there. They hated to be there. Most of them uh, thought that they didn't deserve to be there. So, uh, you know, every day that you you going to work. Uh, the people hate you, right? And uh, so that's probably the main thing. You know, we saw a lot of fighting. Yeah, uh, people. I had a buddy, uh, one of my really good friends, who uh, is up in Arkansas. He uh, he's uh, retired military. He was actually a, a part of a SEAL unit for a while. 
he got out and went straight into law enforcement and uh, worked his way into doing like a search and rescue dive team up at one of the lakes. But before that, he was a jailer. And uh, we would go over and we'd talk and he would tell me stories about like when he would have to escort inmates or something, when he'd like go into their room, like they would try to piss on him, like yeah. they would spit on him. He's like, man, it's the nastiest place you can work is inside of a county jail. Yes, well, 24 hours a day they spend thinking of what they can do to tear up the jail, to tear up the room. Uh, they're very bored, so they come up with great ways to get entertainment and uh, fight. It's usually at your expense. It always is. Yeah, when I put my application in and had my first job interview to become a police officer, it was in Columbus, Mississippi, and I'd done an interview with a broken uh, hand and wrist from fighting inside the jail. So really? that was my first experience. And I, uh, right, so when they said, what experience do you have, you just had your hand <laughs> yes, up and I, like, had, I got this right here. Broken bones and, fact, and fractures uh, from, from fighting inside of a jail. But again, uh, I learned so much. I learned... Uh, how to deal with people. I learned how to to be disrespected on all kind of levels and learned it. Yeah. You still go home at the end of the day. Right. And I think uh, great experience. Uh, so yeah. how did you go from that to, like, was I Jump? I guess I Jump was your first business that you started. Yeah. So after leaving the jail, uh had a great opportunity to work in Columbus Police, uh, Columbus Police Department. I worked there three and a half years working on the road. Uh, got a lot of experience there, working uh, a lot of deaths, a lot of crime in, in, in Columbus, but I enjoyed it. And uh, I found myself wanting to come back home, so I moved back to South Hill and started working for their police department. Um, a little bit slower community, we real low crime here in South Hill, and I just found myself wanting more. Uh, I've always been entrepreneur in mind. Uh, uh, future generations were. You know, we all own our own businesses, so I knew that was in my DNA, and where I felt like God was leading me was into the children industry and open up my own business. Okay, why why the children's industry? Why did why did you choose? So for for those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, Kopi's business that he opened was a birthday party venue, uh, inflatable rentals, uh, things like that. Very very successful. One of the top rated birthday party facilities in North Mississippi. Uh, still today is operating uh, still a successful business one of the only remaining uh, under new ownership even today uh, so but why, why did you choose that what what about uh, working with kids and, and working in the in the birthday party and the event arena uh, appealed to you well I always knew and I always heard that there's nothing constant but change we're always changing we're always evolving and you can look through the structures of the last couple generations um, people spend more money and more time on their children more now than they ever have. If you look back in the 60s and the 70s, a lot of the parents spend a lot of more time between each other and not as much on their kids. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's It's got pros and cons, but you see more divorced families now, more, uh, more dads spending more time with their children, more moms spending time with their children, and less time usually spending on together. So right. the relationship has really built around more around the relationship of their kids. Right. Uh, and an aspect, they're spending more, it, mothers and fathers are spending more on their children today than they ever have. Right. And that's probably what you were talking about, attributed to the fact that families are usually, families are different now than they were they in the are. 60s. In the 60s and the 70s, divorce was not a thing. You did not get divorced. You, you worked through whatever, but now... You know, for whatever reasons it may be, and and like you said, it's not always a bad thing, but... There's good and bad come from it, but obviously, uh, as of now, we work our 
our jobs, everything around our kids' schedule, you know, it's right. almost they come first. And uh, so we're spending, I knew we were spending a lot of money. I knew that's where the money was headed into the kid industry. Uh, mothers and fathers are just spending a lot of money on children's birthday parties. I know that was a good opportunity to, to, to go into. How long did it take, uh, you know, when, when you broke ground on this business, you know, I'm sure it was when what is the startup capital and the things like that how long did it take before you started to see a profit before you started to realize that okay because i know when you first go into you know i, I know that I've, I've done this myself when you first get into something you're like what the hell have i got myself into and you see a whole lot of red before you start seeing you know the green the profits how long did it take before you started to see that what you were doing was actually a good idea that you were going to start making money and before you started to actually have a a a business where people were in and out of the doors yeah so you know nothing's never guaranteed and i remember uh, speaking with my police chief and letting me know you know i'm fixing to go out on my own but can you save my spot i might return <laughs> and uh hard times uh hard times make us and but i knew i left my job my career on good terms and i knew i had my way back so for me it was a great opportunity, and I knew as long as you leave on good ter- good terms, don't don't burn bridges. Right. Leave on good terms. I knew I had a guaranteed job to come back. State retirement, I froze it. Um, I made all the right decisions to know if I fail, I've got a way home. So that was the main thing. Um, so where did when you talk about that? When you talk about you, you made all the right decisions to make sure that you you had a backup plan. Yes. Where did you learn? I mean, where did you learn those skills and the and to know that okay, before I go out and just take this leap, I need to make sure my state retirement's guaranteed. I need to make sure that I don't burn bridges. Where did you learn the mentality and the mindset to know that that if this doesn't work out, I need to have a backup plan. Is it something your dad instilled in you? Is it lessons learned from other? Did you have a mentor? Or? I'm sure uh, it evolved between a lot of situations, but um, you know, I, when you know that when you fail, no one's got your back. I think naturally, you know, you've got to take care of yourself. At, at that point, uh, I was divorced. My wife left me right after I got out of the police academy, and I had a little boy, and he's always been there with me throughout my whole life. Um, no matter what career I've taken, he's I, I've got pictures of him in my cop car. You right. know, uh, it, it, you know, if I had to work that night and my mother had to keep him or my sister, uh, anytime I got a lunch break, I'm there with him. Got pictures of him in the cop car. He's been there with me through all my jobs, so I knew for him, I've got to always have a backup plan. Yeah. So I think naturally, just knowing take care, taking care of business, and you know, <clears throat> and a lot of a lot of people don't see that, you know, uh, when, when you're on the outside looking in, a lot of people sit on the outside, you know, people that work nine to fives, they, they punch a clock, they go to work every day. When you start to see the successes, not even just as a business owner, but as a father too, and you start to, to see the, the, the better side of business ownership when you find success in that arena, a lot of people on the outside, that's all they see. They, they, they only see, well... He did so, you know, he's got this, he's got that, especially when you talk about having kids. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times through divorce, they start to see, you know, there's a lot of envy, a lot of jealousy, things like that. How did you balance making sure that Colton knew that, you know, that when, when you're working, that you're building something for your family and making sure that even though you were divorced, that Colton was still 
integrated in your business and, and obviously having a birthday party place with like I jump, he had to love it. I mean, yes, he had he, to love being out there. Yeah, I got the opportunity to spend more time with him more than I ever have. Uh, as far as struggling, he never he's never known the day for me to struggle. Um, I've always tried to hide it from him, but I've always also always had to have a, have a teaching moment, you know. Um, at at the same time, but you know, I really wanted to go into business for myself. Uh, so I could spend more time with my son. Yeah. Uh, I was still divorced at that time. Uh, so, you know, he was he was with me from day one and I uh, got to spend more time with him. And I uh, don't regret leaving law enforcement to open up my own business and to spend time with him. What do you think was one of the biggest challenges when it comes to learning how to be a single dad and starting a business? Payroll. Uh, I took out a $20,000 loan, and from that loan, I had to make my own uh, payroll. So, you know, a lot of weary nights sitting up just knowing that everything revolved around you and you and only. You know, I had no more guaranteed checks coming in, uh, which led to a successful business. You know, when you have no one to look on but yourself, you'll spend you'll spend many a nights awake uh, deciding what, what, what can you do better how can you grow your business? And that's what makes you successful. Uh, nothing given to you can never make you as a better person as when you work it out yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Life. One of the things that I've found, uh, and because I'm like you, man, and, and I've, you know, in my businesses and the things that I've done, I've had more sleepless nights probably than I've had restful. Uh, but one of the things that I've found is that you really have to have a winning attitude. You absolutely cannot let yourself feel defeat. The moment that you feel defeat and the moment that you feel like maybe what you've decided to do is too much is when you start to find yourself going down the wrong path. Absolutely. So, I, I, and that's something that I've learned. And I've had those days. I've had days where I'm just like, man, it feels like nothing can go right. I feel like no matter what I do, I just keep running into obstacles, especially in 2020, man. 2020 is kicked as a small business owner. It's kicked your ass. I mean, it's, everybody has been falling flat on their face this year because of this COVID-19 shit. And for sure, man, when you look at the things that are happening to small businesses around the country right now, there's there's a lot of people that are probably in a state right now where they don't know what's going to happen. And, and I think that when you have a year like this year, it's more important than ever. And it's harder than ever to keep that winner's mindset to say that, you know what, I, I can take these punches and I can punch back. I can get back up when so many things seem to be happening that make you just want to be like, man, I'm done. I want to throw my hands up. Uh, you know, Colton obviously was one of your driving factors. But what, what else what else was something that made you just keep that winning attitude, something that you pushed towards, you know, like this this is why I need to keep doing this. This is what I'm doing this for. I don't know. That that would be hard to answer. I think a lot of it has, uh, you know, some of it would be just in your DNA. Um, you know, when I was in school, I was never um, the greatest student. I struggled through school. So, um, you know, I think through struggling through most of my life, uh, I, I felt in business where I could actually succeed. Um, I knew that I could do my best. Uh, depending on myself and, and succeeding that way, uh, just not having another choice other than making it succeed, I think's my 
ultimate goal. But, you know, I always kept my options open. Just as when I was uh, working inside the jail, I continued to, you know, put the, put the word out. I was wanting to be a police officer. I was putting in applications. I also did the same thing while I, was at, while I worked for myself. I always kept my options over, open. I was always reaching out to people, looking for opportunities. Uh, so I, I think just never being content, you know, right. always wanting more. Let's talk. But never in a greed way. Let's talk about the, uh, the 40 under 40 most business influential person in North Mississippi. How did how did that come about? Uh, what what led to to that acknowledgement in your career? Yeah, so I'd been uh, working for myself for about a year and a half, uh, and I got a telephone call uh, one day, and uh, just they were letting me know that I had been nominated for it, and I was uh, really excited for the opportunity. Um, I, I just won office two, so I'd been I just won my first uh, term for city alderman. Yes, in which I was uh, voted the youngest alderman ever to serve in the city of Saltillo. Uh, so I had a little bit of recognition going on at that time, and um, and and was you know they let me know that I was nominated for that, and I was very happy to do that. Awesome. And uh, I got to invite six people to my lunch, and the yeah. first one I called was my police chief, really my police chief, and uh, awesome. invited him to sit with me, and I was a very very proud moment for me. Sounds like it. Uh, so on the the city alderman thing, where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> like, do you just wake up one day and say, man, I'd love to see my face on a sign in that yard? Yes, or... it was not like that. I did not come from a political family. Uh, no politics, never in my family. You are probably one of the most political people that I, you actually, well, no, you are probably the second most political person that I know, but you're definitely one of the most political people in North Mississippi State, or in North Mississippi, in the state of Mississippi, especially North Mississippi. Uh, not just as a city alderman, but as the, the political director for lieutenant governor. I mean, you're pretty heavily involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, city alderman, where did that come from? Yeah, so, you know, like I, like I told you earlier, I froze my state retirement. And, um, and that was always on my mind. How can I get back into state retirement? You know, I had so much money and so many years put in, into that. I, I didn't want to leave it behind. And... Um, so uh, just talking to some friends, I, I thought about running, and uh, I never thought I had a chance to win. I remember going out late at night with just me and Colton, and we would put signs up at night because I felt ashamed to put them out in the morning time when people saw me. Um, you know, I, I knew I, I really felt like I wouldn't win, so a little ashamed. So I put them out late at night, me and Why? Colton. What, what made you feel like you, that you weren't going to win? Because it just seems like something far fetched to run for office to have your to have your name out there and you don't really know anything about the industry you don't know anything about the job you know I'm just I'm just a policeman you know uh, and and I owned I jump you know I, no no prior experience didn't know any really politicians uh you know so, so me, uh, how how'd you start working the game I mean did you start networking did you start going to, to city council meetings I mean what was the process like for somebody that says you know what I want to get involved in my local my city politics I, w- I want to get involved and in, and in, in change in my own city I mean how did you get into it what what did you do to start hitting the ground that ultimately led to a successful election as a city alderman? Well, I knew a ground game was going to be my only opportunity. I, my name was not known in South Hill. I wasn't from South Hill. I'd, I'd only been living there for three or four years, and I worked at the police department. 
but no one knew my name. Uh, I was a uh, when I worked in the police department, I was very kind of to myself. So I, no one knew my name. So the ground games where I wanted to start it, I wanted to get started. So breakfast, I started attending breakfast. You know, at just any any local diner. Hardy's. Hardy's. That's where it's at. I mean, Hardy's is the breakfast spot. If here. there was a breakfast spot, I wanted to dress nice. I wanted to be polite, and uh, just try to, uh, you know, get known through just being there with uh, older older gentlemen, and uh, that's where I got my base. Yeah. Was was just hitting breakfast diners in the morning, uh, and then you know at night I put out signs, uh, and it just kind of grew from there. But being humble. Uh, Having a platform, just not wanting to run. To, I never want to run to have my face on a on a billboard or run just to be in office. Uh, I had a good platform and why I wanted to run and, and why I deserved a seat at the table. What was your platform? I wanted to be the most av- available alderman ever in Saltilla. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, even as a cop, uh, the board of aldermen is ultimately our bosses. They ultimately hire, fire you, and give you raises. And I had no relationship with basically any of them, didn't really know them. Um, and when you went out throughout the town, I knew that there was an appetite for a more available alderman. And that was majority of my platform was to be available, to, to, to know everyone's need, uh, to spend more time with public, uh, with people that work for you. So I wanted to really be there for them. Uh, so as an alderman, and I continue to be the same person now. I always visit with the police chief. I always visit with the fire chief. I spend time with the utility workers. I spend time with them asking them, what do they need? And that was just something that working uh, under the alderman, I never really saw that. So I wanted to kind of break the bridge and do that. And also, there was no alderman out there or you know, really no Facebook page out there to, to let people know, hey, we have city council meetings at this time. Uh, when does garbage pick up? So I wanted to be a voice in a different way, and I brought that to the table. So my biggest platform was, hey, I want to be the most available alderman ever to serve in South Hillow, and I've been doing that for many years now, and I continue to hold the same platform. Yeah, you've definitely had, you know, myself as a resident of South Hillow, I can tell you, uh, you definitely uh, have changed the game when it comes to public service on, on a alderman level, on a city level. There's been several issues that I've seen you tackle, just even just with a Facebook post, that's that's turned around and led to, to, to news articles, Daily Journal articles, you know, just because it, there were issues and there were things that citizens were concerned about, and a lot of times when people felt like they didn't have a voice, you stepped up and you were that voice. So, I, I definitely uh, can say that you definitely still do uh, live on that platform. Uh, let's talk about your uh, your statewide political journey and and how you ended up as the political director for the second the man I mean the man that's second in charge of the state yes our lieutenant governor so uh yeah I was it was uh yeah I still can't believe I had the job sometimes uh I'm just so fortunate to have that position there's nine people to work for the lieutenant governor's office so it's not that big of office office so I'm very glad to to uh call the lieutenant governor my boss when I was, uh, so as an alderman, we get to go to, uh, two years, twice a year, we get to go to uh, different meetings in Jackson as an elected official, and we have continuing education classes. And from there, I had a great chance to meet then uh, the Secretary of State, Delbert Husband. 
had a great opportunity to share with him uh, some of my goals, meet him. Um, he was a great man, and um, so that's where I originally met him. Um, and about two years later, I got a phone call one day that he's running for lieutenant governor, and they would like me to join his campaign full-time. And I absolutely uh, was excited to come on board. Uh, I was his Northeast director. I covered everything Northeast Mississippi, and that's how I got started, was working full-time on this campaign. Right, so, uh, I mean, obviously, Delbert Hoseman had one of the most successful campaigns, I mean, that I can recall. I mean, he, he, he was very, very widely liked, very successful campaign, right on a very strong platform. So the success that, that Northeast Mississippi, the success that he found in Northeast Mississippi as you as director mm-hmm. up in this area led to a permanent position in his staff. Yeah. And, you know, when I, you know, we knew going into this, uh, you know, only eight or nine of us were going to get hired. And of course he was going to bring a couple uh, uh, of his originally people from the secretary of state's office. So there was not but two or three spots open. So I knew I had a year to prove myself. Uh, so, you know, from day one, when I got started, I wanted to be the best employee he had on the campaign staff. I wanted to make sure I worked harder than anyone knew because it all, you know, it all uh, relied on that. Was I going to continue on with him? So for me, it was easy. I hit the ground running from day one. I worked harder. Whatever task was put before us, I did more. I posted more. I traveled more and I earned my spot. And I'm, I'm I'm very proud of that. Awesome, dude. I mean, that's for sure. I remember we, uh, uh, well, we I think we were downtown. It was downtown Tupelo, and we went to the uh, what was it? Was it Elvis Fest or it was some? There was something downtown. I just remember seeing you out there. He had the the fans. He had his face on a fan. Yes. I just remember you downtown handing out fans with his face on it. It's probably the only time I've seen somebody hand out. Uh, campaign material that was had somebody's face like the whole thing was just his face <laughs> whatever i could to promote his agenda and promote him i was doing 24 hours a day well it worked i mean hell he won he won by landslide he's still probably one of the most uh he's probably got one of the highest approval ratings in the state still yes as far as elected officials mm-hmm. uh let's talk about covid uh what what's going on uh, at the state, at the Capitol right now. I mean, small business owners all across the state right now are struggling. I mean, and with this new, with this new, uh, you know, surging of cases and everything's circling back around, we're seeing spikes again. We've got a new, uh, a new president. We've got, you know, newly elected officials uh, on the Democrat and the Republican side. Uh, from my perspective as a business owner, it looks like we're returning to what we were doing in March and April. It looks like a shutdowns are coming. Stimulus is about to be talked about again. What what does it look like from the Capitol on a state level? And what 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 is what is Lieutenant Governor Delbert and Tate? What are they anticipating to happen on a state level? And how you know what what do small business owners have to look forward to as far as COVID implications on their businesses going into twenty twenty one? Yeah, so the governor has promised us that he's not going to shut down. You know, when we shut down in uh, beginning of March, uh, we were told two weeks. Well, let's let's be real about something here, though. Governor Tate Reeves has promised a lot of things and gone back on some of the things he's promised. Yes, uh, he he has done that at times. Uh, 
So we originally was told two weeks, you know, slow to spread. Uh, and that has continued on from, from then on. Uh, so as, as far as 2021, I, I think that uh, the elected officials learned that shutting down was not a success. I don't think anyone would grade it as a success. Uh, so, you know, we're hoping 2021 looks like, you know, we just continue to wear masks to social distance, but we've got to continue our businesses. they got to continue to be open. We need our churches open. Uh, you know, we just you know, ho- hopefully the vaccines will be coming coming in soon. Uh, l- kind of basically learn to live with it, do our best to stop the spread, but we got to continue our businesses running themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the shutdown. You know, I mean, it. I think I saw something that nearly sixty percent of all small businesses were anticipated to go under during the shutdown in 2020. And you look at some of these other states, you know, uh, that are still shut down. You look at states like New York and California, they're saying those states will never recover. There is no hope for small business recovery in the next 10 to 15 years in some of these places. Mm -hmm. And Mississippi, absolutely, we don't, I mean, we, we cannot end up like that. I mean, no state should want to end up like that. I mean, and this, the pandemic is real for sure. Uh, I mean, you can see every day that, that there are people that are, that are losing their life to this disease. But how many people are going to lose their life over the economy crashing? You know, I mean, there's there's real world implications on a much larger scale when you start talking about shutting down the economy, especially for a second time. And And so I think a lot of people, especially, you know, like myself, are super concerned about, okay, well, what does the near future hold for us? What is going to happen to our business? You know, is there is there more relief coming? Uh, things like that. Uh, do you know of anything that's being talked about as far as, uh, you know, for businesses that are still suffering? Like, for instance, like iJump, which is still suffering, you know, a loss of business due to the nature of the business. Are there more relief packages coming? Are there, is there going to be a second wave of disaster relief loans? Is there anything being talked about? from the state capitol that you're hearing that youth know is coming in 2021 to help reinvest in small businesses across the state? Yeah, so we start back legislation in about 31 days. So we go back to Jackson and, and start. Uh, but there, there's absolutely preparation going on for us. is continuing to help in small business. Uh, and, and I know with the federal government, another stimulus package will come. We don't know when that will be. Um, we still don't know who our president is going to be. So uh, as far as the state, local, yes, there's still money out there to help small businesses. And uh, we're just excited to start the new session for 2021 in just around 30 days. So we can get started back on that. Well, what's next for Kopi? What's, uh, what's, what's 2021 look like for you, man? 2021, I'm running for re-election as alderman. So, okay. Uh, I'm excited about that. We'll come out. Bring me a yard sign. I want <laughs> I, the biggest one you got. I will. I will bring you a yard sign. So 2021 has uh, uh, me running for re-election. Really excited about that. Um, and and continue on. I know we're looking at maybe doing away with um, uh, with the uh, the sales tax, the state income state tax. Income tax. Right? Yeah, we got that going. Looking for 2021. That's that's no, pretty popular. What what is uh. What's the thought process behind that? Explain to us where this came from, because it just came out of nowhere. 
Yeah, so it's basically more of a fair tax. I think when uh, when you own a, when you own your own business and you're and you're paying tax, that leaves the people just not having a job or having a having to own their own business. They're not paying taxes. So what you do is you increase your gas tax. Uh, so it's more of a user-based tax. So you have a hundred percent of the people out there paying a tax versus when you're versus the small businesses and the people that have jobs just paying a tax. I got you. Uh, so it, it's more inclusive. It's a more inclusive tax. Yes, yeah, so about uh, Mississippi averages about fifty three percent people have a full time job in Mississippi. So you're leaving that fifty three percent to to pay all the taxes. Um, so we want the we want one hundred percent everybody to pay their fair share. Right, which would come out in like a gas tax. Yes, and a usage tax. So if you use it. You're, you know, you're going to pay for it. Well, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely caught everybody by surprise whenever they announced that that was a plan for 2021. So, uh, so yeah, so running for re-election, uh, business ventures, anything. I know, man, you've, I know you, there, there's always a wheel turning in your head. There's always something next. Do you have anything that you're looking at? You know, I, I'm sure we will. I uh, have to look into open up a small business sometime in the near future, but we've got to get through COVID. Yeah, you know, we've got to protect our older ones. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in you know let the kids go to school. Yeah, let everybody else go to work, and let's really protect our our vulnerable, the older ones. Uh, you know, get through the pandemic and uh, see what the future holds from there. But we will get through this. The United States has been through a lot of things. Um, we've all been through a lot of things in our life. We will get past this and uh, uh, hopefully see our new president, who who that will be. But we will continue forward regardless of who the uh, people send. What do you think about that? What do you think about, I mean, are they still doing the recounts? I mean, what's going on right now with the current presidential race? I thought it was pretty much decided. I saw something that said Trump had uh, started or Trump's campaign manager had authorized the transferring of powers or something so it sounds like Trump has pretty much accepted it's it's done yeah I mean he, they Biden did get the you know the green light to go ahead and just uh, basically he has a uh, account now where he can start hiring you know making a cabinet members I'm not sure where they're at you know I I was about to say, because, I mean, there was a time. I mean, it was just not that long ago that they were filing lawsuits all across the United States, uh, you know, for voter fraud. Then it just seems like they all just one by one started disappearing. And voter fraud is, is, is not it's not even talked about anymore. It was it was all the rage. And then all of a sudden it just started disappearing. So I, it's real confusing for, you know. Yeah. So whenever the lector, uh, electoral college gets together and votes and he'll be the president elect, I know we still hear that president-elect but it actually takes place when the electoral college gets together each state votes uh at that point that's when by definition he is the president-elect i got you so but as far as it's concerned you know i know he's headed that way and uh you know as far as mississippi's concerned you know we're just ready to work for the mississippians in 2021 regardless of who the president will be yeah i know a lot of people are really concerned with uh with the with going uh, with Biden coming into uh, into office about federal impl- you know uh, federal regulations and rules coming down and superseding states and governors and cities As a matter of fact he said it he's Biden himself has said that he will go to governors he will go to mayors he will enforce stricter covid regulations so 
You know, what do you what do you see about that? I mean, do you see that? Do you see the president coming into Mississippi and telling Tate that he has to enforce shutdowns? That yeah, I mean, that, I heard this conversation. He said that he would come to every city council, every alderman, and, and tell us how to vote. You know, but, uh, as far as Mississippi concerned, as far as I'm concerned, I I represent the people that elect me, and uh, the governor does the same. Um, you know, someone from Washington D.C. come down here and telling us how to vote. I don't see that happening. We're all we're all we'll represent the people that uh, put us in office, and we'll make that decision when it comes here. And uh, no one from Washington D.C. knows how to tell me how to live my life. So we'll decide that here in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm the same way. I mean, as and just in my opinion, man, of it for for somebody in the government to to tell you that you are not allowed to operate a business or that you are not allowed to provide for your family, that you have to shut down. I mean. To me, that just seems like it could. It's got to be unconstitutional. It's I mean, you, be. you can't. You can't come and tell me I'm not allowed to run my business because I mean, we don't. I mean, I, I understand the safety precautions and the risks and everything associated with COVID, but you're not forced to do anything. I mean, if you're at risk, if you have people in your family that are at risk, stay home. I mean, it's as simple as that. Stay home. Don't go out. If you live with your grandma and your grandma's at risk or if you have underlying conditions, then okay, take the precautions and you handle your precautions, but don't force the other uh, 99% of the country that is surviving this thing to be affected in such a negative way because of that 1%. I mean, it's all about individual accountability, right? Holding yourself and hold, you know, holding yourself responsible, not pushing the responsibility onto somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And that seems to be what they want to do. It seems to be that a lot of people in this new, you know, what we're expecting to be the new administration and some of these uh, more democratic states, they're forcing the responsibility on the people that should not have to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's, what is that, a 99.2% survival rate right now on this thing? And yeah, I mean, with the elected officials, as far as they're concerned, you know, we see Governor Cuomo just got a pay raise. Uh, really? Yes, he did. He sure did. He got a pay raise last month. So Now, who was it that got over... Somebody got overthrown, or uh, not overthrown, but they... they uh... They got a slap on the wrist from the from the legislature for for overstepping their authority. Who was was that? I'm I'm not sure. Was but... The governor of California, I think, or it might have been Los Angeles's mayor. But somebody uh, imp- implemented all these uh, procedures and all these things that were you know like you couldn't have Thanksgiving, you couldn't do this, mm-hmm. and and the the, state, well, yeah, the had... legislature stepped in and said, hey, that that is outside of your your powers. You don't have the you don't have the just you don't have the power to do this. Yeah. Well, you know, just going back to, you know, if elected officials uh, continue to get in their check but asking small businesses to shut down, that's not fair. Oh, absolutely. And then, and then to take it on beyond that and, and see, you know, Governor Cuomo on, on news all day, uh, you know, talking about spread and all this and getting a raise behind the scenes, is it's just not great. It's not a great look. No, absolutely not. I mean, there's thousands of millions of people suffering under his watch. Yes. Businesses being shut down, people losing their livelihood. And you're not just talking about us. I mean, you're not talking about people like me and you in their 30s and or in their 40s that, that have started businesses and, and first generations. I mean, you're talking about generations of businesses that have been there since the 1800s mm-hmm. that have been passed down from family to family to family to family that are done. They're gone. They're complete. Their entire family lineage as this small business that's been around forever is 
done and it's gone and he got a raise. He did. That's bullshit. <laughs> he got one. That's bullshit. And it ha- it's happening everywhere, man. It's happening everywhere and it's it's one of the reasons why why we started Busy Dad, man. It's why this podcast came to be and why this business came to be is because there's a lot of ways it looks like there's not a lot of there's not a way out for some people, you know, and there's there's a lot of people that are still wondering if the American dream exists. Can you still be an entrepreneur? Can you still go start a business? Is this something that is even worth doing? Can it be done? And and that's what, you know, one of the goals of Busy Dad is is to bring people like you that have success stories and have advice and and things that you can that you can bring to the table that we may not know about or, or the you know that that we may not be aware of. And we want to bring people on that can, you know, that can say, hey, here's what I do, here's how I did it. Here's how I found success. Here's where I screwed up, and and we want people to know that the American dream is still possible. You can still make something of yourself. There are there are things right now, even in this COVID environment, there are businesses that are suffering. Restaurant businesses are down tremendously. They're saying sixty percent of small businesses are going to close, but there are businesses out there right now, and there are things that entrepreneurs are doing that have never been done on the level that they're doing it. Yeah, so- e-commerce, online business is booming huge people are buying shit like crazy right now well that's why it's a great time to uh found this year i've never got involved in stock markets but i saw the stock market just going down just every day so i've got invested in the stock market and made a ton of money it's just you know you know as things crumble things get built so to me 2020 uh 2021 will be a great year great year opportunity to start your own business uh, you just got to find a niche. You know, if other things are crumbling, something will be built there. Real estate, man. Real estate's been crazy. Yes, absolutely. Real estate has been wild. My realtor, uh, I love my realtor. I've used the same the same lady, the same real estate agent for everything. And I bought this house, uh, you know, not that long ago. I mean, I've only lived in this house for not even six months. And I think about three months about three months after I bought the house, my real estate agent's calling me wanting to know if there's anything she can do for me. And I'm like, yeah, I, just bought, I just bought the house. But apparently buy, the houses are buying and selling like crazy right now. So there's a lot of industry right now that, that is doing good. And, uh, and yeah, and like you were talking about, the stock market uh, has done some wild shit this year. Yes, it's up and down. Wild shit this year. Uh, a few of my, few of the people that I do business with... Uh, they do a lot. They've gone from traditional, you know, storefront to e-commerce and have found record-breaking sales. So uh, Amazon is what the first trillion-dollar company, and that hit in two, that hit in twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Them becoming the first trillion-dollar company happened in in, in twenty twenty. So yeah, and Tesla's a good stock. Is Tesla's it just can it did that? And Amazon just continues to rise, and you can just see that in the future. Uh, you know, Cracker Barrel has been an awesome stock for me. I've bought and sold it four or five times. Hey, you can get you can get mimosas and Bloody Marys at Cracker Barrel yes. now. Uh-huh. When is Tupelo Cracker Barrel going to have a Bloody Mary bar? That's what I'm ready for. I'm not sure. I you know, <laughs> speak with the mayor on that. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah. Well, if if, if well, I'm gonna keep my opinions on the <laughs> mayor to, of Tupelo to myself on that one. But uh, well, man, thanks. Thanks yeah. for being here, dude. And one, of the, and one of the things that I've learned, and it d- doesn't make sense when I say it, but the harder you work, the less money you make. And I and I mean that, and, you know, I know it sounds weird, but 
It's work smarter, not yeah, harder. Yes. Well, it's just, you know, the people that, that really build a good business and get everything going, once it gets going, they, you know, it, it, you can just make money. And I, you know, I've worked a lot harder in my life to make less money. So, you know, find what your dream is, find what you're passionate about and be ready, you know. Always yeah. have a backup plan. Absolutely, man. I started, I started my career out, in, you know, in the Navy. You know, I, I didn't. I was like, like you said, I, di- I didn't do good in school. I didn't give a shit about school. All I cared about was where I was going to be partying when school was over, and like, so they actually ranked us from high school. And I don't know why this is. This is stupid. I don't know if they do this in Mississippi, but in Arkansas, they rank students that graduate. We had like 180 in our graduating class. I was ranked like 152 out of yeah. 180. I was in the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> so, I mean, there wasn't a college that was going to take me even if I wanted to go. So I ended up uh, I ended up going into the Navy. And, and yeah, I was what you said. You worked seven days a week Shit, for what, 20 days a my ass off yeah. for nothing. We went, on, we went on deployment and we calculated up like what how much money we were making an hour on deployment. We were making like $2.13 an hour yeah. being on deployment out there, working your ass off. Some badass experiences, though. I would never discourage anybody from looking at the Navy as an option because it changed my life. It put me on a, on, a, on a much better trajectory. I have a really good life that I would not have had. I would not have this life had I not made the decision uh, to ultimately go and do that. Yeah, the key success to entrepreneur is starting from the bottom. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. I always tell people when they ask me about it, I say that, you know, going into the military was the greatest thing that I will never do again. So <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Any final words of wisdom? Any anything? Oh, you know, 2020, uh, 2021 is going to be a great year. I, I truly believe that. Um, I'm excited about it. We got exciting things happening in Mississippi. So, you know, find your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Find your passion and, and see and, and see what works for you. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I know you got a meeting to get off to. Yeah. Big, big things changing the world. So appreciate you being here, dude. And, and uh, you'll have to come back and after 2021, come back and let us know uh, how the how the reelection went and things like that. And yep. we'll follow up and see what's going on we with will. you next year. And just always remember, the Republicans, we are the party for law enforcement. We're the party of free speech. Of law and order. Law and order. And uh, we love we love everyone. <laughs> all right, man. We appreciate you being here. All right, guys. We'll talk to y'all next time. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to BusyDad.com to keep up with all of our episodes and who we will have on next. You can also check out our merchandise and our blog posts. Appreciate Mr. Kopi Grantham for being here, and we'll see y'all next time.